Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real-life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipnis. Success leaves clues. What we've always learned is that those who are successful, those high achievers, leave clues behind on what they did, how they did it, that we can mirror, we can utilize, we can have. What we also know is that the most successful people in the world are willing to tell you. They're willing to give it away. It started with Napoleon Hill and traveling around and interviewing the most successful people in the world in the early 1900s and leads us to today where today's highest achievers are doing the very same thing. And we've got the opportunity to learn from someone who's interviewed 400 of the world's highest achievers and brings that information to folks like us to tell us what are the tips, tricks, secrets, and tools that we can implement in our business. He's an entrepreneur himself, and he's going to talk to us about what he's learned along his journey, probably a few little quotes, probably a few little tidbits of what other people have said that he's interviewed. Uh, I'm really excited what we can learn in today's episode. I'm your host, Adam Kipnis, on the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. I appreciate you being here today. We are brought to you by powertexting.com, a great platform to stay in front of your clients and prospects. And C-Suite Radio, powertexting.com gives away a free hotel stay to one listener of every episode, four and five star hotels. Um, and so stick around a little bit for how to do that. As we talk about the lessons learned along the way and that my guest has learned most of what we're going to talk about really leads to doing more business, more revenue, how to take your business to the next level. It's exactly the things in my book. You can get it free book from adam.com. It's eight steps to make more money in your business without spending anything on marketing or advertising. So definitely jump on that to take your business to the next level. But I'd like to now introduce my guest, He's considered one of the top leaders in personal development and achievement psychology. Um, people call him the modern day Napoleon Hill for his extensive research in the live psychology of more than 400 of the world's top achievers. And he's the creator of Learn to Sell or Die, which helps you unlock sales tools and strategies in today's marketplace. And he hosts events all over the country and world. He's from Canada to help growing businesses take everything to the next level. Doug Vermeer and Doug, I appreciate you being here and look forward to this conversation. Hey, super excited to be with you, Adam. Uh, and thanks for uh, the great intro. You know, what's kind of interesting is although we have done that program, learn to sell or die around the world. The thing that we're really known for though, is our work with entrepreneurs. So um, sales, it's, it's a foundational thing. I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit about the importance and power of selling, but uh, I want to share that Selling is only part of the game. So I just want to really underline that even entrepreneurs, uh, if you don't have a good offer that's built, if you're a great business model, if you don't have some of the right piece in place, even at the outset, um, really you can only sell so much until you sort of run out of the ability to service what you sell. So we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute, I'm sure. No, definitely. Because I want to get into that. And one of the things that, that I talk about with my clients and that we've talked about here on the show is being great at what you do, but not being able to sell, but at the same time, creating so much business that you don't have capacity, so you have to fix the back end in order to sell more, yeah. right? So yeah. you need both parts in your business in order for it to be a success. Yeah, definitely do. And you know, the thing that we've kind of found, you can kind of see maybe my shirt here, it's, this is a company that we run that includes the sales program called 
entrepreneur of influence. And we actually find that the whole, I guess, uh, goal nowadays, even beyond just selling, is how do I become influential in my marketplace? And when we really understand how influence is created, and then we partner that with the skills of a true entrepreneur, someone that knows how to you know, really exploit great business opportunities and, and commercialize them and capitalize them to a high degree. When you build entrepreneurship and influence together, things almost sell themselves. And that's where it gets very exciting. Well, if you can walk into a room and somebody already knows who you are because they've heard of you, they've seen you, others have talked about you, you can right. have pretty bad sales skills and still oh do very, very well in your career uh, that's well, part of that personal brand. Yeah, and the thing to remember is that people today, they actually buy a brand rather than a business, a product, a service, or an asset. And we can see that all over the place. Like again, you know, one of the guys that I interviewed was actually involved in, in uh, marketing for companies like Hugo Boss, Dolce & Gabbana, people like that. Yep. And um, I also interviewed some guys who did some work for, uh, or one of the guys who was the CEO of Fruit of the Loom, for example, and also people who were involved with Nike and Reebok. And so I've had a chance to see a lot of how this is. And repeatedly, again and again and again, I, I see people that have made a choice as a customer to purchase a brand regardless of what the shoe was. So in other words, the t-shirt or the shoe or whatever it is, it, it could have been manufactured somewhere in China, you know, a $3 shirt or whatever, but you slap Hugo Boss on it and suddenly now the shirt becomes valuable. So people do buy brand before they just simply buy an asset or a product. And so I think that's a really important thing that you know, for those of you who are listening that have businesses, we've got to understand that influence in today's marketplace is really a very important, uh, what's the word we want? Uh, maybe currency is the good word. Influence is a form of currency. Oh, it's, it's so interesting that you bring that up because one of the things that, that I like to talk about when we talk about brand is the levels of branding is you've got uh, brand identity. So people yeah. have heard of, you know, um, Fruit of the Loom, right? People know what it is. Maybe they don't own the product or it doesn't really matter to them, but they've heard of it. So that's brand identity. Then you've got brand preference, where you go to a restaurant and you say, I'll have a Coke. And they say, we only have Pepsi. All right, I'll have a Pepsi. And then you have brand insistence, same restaurant, I'll have a Coke. And they say, we only have Pepsi. All right, I'll have a water, right? And then you've got brand advocacy. And that's what we're really talking about here, this influence and this brand advocacy, where Apple's really the king of it. And if you've ever seen an, an Apple person talk to someone who's got an Android phone, they look at them sort of with disdain. And it's like, you can't be friends with me unless you buy an iPhone, right? <laughs> you've got one. I've, got, I've got one too, right? And, uh, but people look at you differently if you're an Apple person and that's that brand advocacy. So when you're talking and you're thinking about yourself in your own business, and I did an earlier podcast where the person said you have to be relentless about your relevance. Yes. Meaning, think about what you're saying, what you're putting in the marketplace, so people always think of you when it comes to, whether it's a hardware store or coaching or speaking or yeah. underwear or t-shirts, um, how can you put yourself in that position? And we'll talk about that as we get going. So we sort of jumped ahead. Sure. I wanna get people to learn a little bit more about how you got where you are, right? Sure. You, you, we all start somewhere. And then you've had the opportunity to interview and now have a Rolodex of super successful people, whether we count money or not, just people yeah. that have built huge things. 
Where yeah. did you start in this whole process? Well, you know, this is, this is a pretty common question that I get. And I guess the, the thing that I think is exciting in this answer is that I started just like anybody else. My father worked in construction and my mom babysat kids in the home. We were not a wealthy family. We were low, lower income kind of family. Uh, I wore hand-me-downs even in high school from my uncles. We did not have a lot of money. And uh, I always kind of joke that my parents were caught in what we call the poverty pattern, which basically means trading time for money, work, and then pay. And there's never enough paycheck at the end. That's, that was my, what my parents were doing. So when I was raised, that's exactly what they taught me how to do. They said, you know, you're going to have to go to school. You're going to have to work hard. But eventually, you'll probably end up in the trades, like maybe an electrician, a plumber, or something like that. Like that's what they had envisioned. And, um, and if I wanted more money, I just had to put in more hours. That was the idea, right? Yep. And, so, you know, growing up, I never had any exposure to personal development. Like, my parents just were not aware of it. I also had no exposure to any kind of belief thinking or entrepreneurial thinking or any kind of I could create a business thinking. And so, you know, I wasn't the smartest kid like most entrepreneurs. I didn't get massively great grades. And so I was really kind of thinking, okay, I guess I'm going to pound a hammer for a living. That's what I'm going to do, right? And it was at about this time that I did get fortunate enough to go to college, but I didn't have enough money to stay in college. So I took a summer job selling pest control door to door in California. Oh, wow. And if any listeners have done door to door sales, you know, like that is like the epitome of rejection. If you've never been rejected, just knock on a few doors and make it worse. You're selling pest control for bugs. Like no one even likes to admit they have bugs. Now you're trying to sell them something on their doorstep about bugs. So it was estimated I knocked on about 22,000 doors and rejection was huge. So I was really discouraged. I was about to quit. I was deep in student loan debt. I was crazy in debt with a car. And, you know, like every kid at that age, I filled out every credit card application that came my way. So I'd maxed all of those out. And, you know, I, I mean, it was so bad that I remember one day going in to buy groceries at a store and my card declined for $4.22. So I was just like, I was in real trouble. So in the middle of this job, I'm like, I'm going to quit like this. It ain't working for me. I'm not making any money. And I had a family friend approach me and say, listen, you know what? I, I, I've got a gift for you and it's going to change everything. And so I was like, well, what's that? And so he gave me two books. The first one was how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. Yep. And it's funny, as he gave it to me, maybe I was even a bit offended by what he said, but it made sense later. He said, the first person you need to become friends with is yourself. And he gave me this book. And I was like, okay. And then the second book he gave me was Think and Grow Rich. And I was like, that sounds like a really good idea. If I can just get rich by thinking about it, that'll work for me. Great idea. <laughs> so, so, so I got committed and I decided I'd read these books. And um, the thing that was interesting is I recognized, and, and this is obviously a foundational principle of success, is that when I read Napoleon Hill's book and also Dale Carnegie's, I really began to understand that I became this idea of you become uh, a, a median or a reflection of the five people you spend the most time with. So if you hang out with four losers, you get to become the fifth. I was the fifth. And so I was hanging around with really poor thinkers, bad standards, um, they didn't really have a high view of themselves or what was possible. And so I decided because Napoleon Hill to get to his success, he went out and he studied like Henry Ford, Thomas Edison, the Rockefellers, the Wrigley's, the Wright brothers, all these people. I decided I needed to go spend some more time with some wealthy people. And so kind of how it began is there was a millionaire that our family knew through our church group. 
And I started asking him if I could meet with him. I heard this idea of take a millionaire to lunch. I said, I can't take you to lunch, but could we go to lunch and we'll figure out how to pay for it when we're there? Like, you're going to buy me lunch kind of thing. And so he was kind enough. He, get, he got what I was trying to do. And so we started meeting about once a week for a, a very long period of time. But about six months into it, he said to me, out of all the things we've talked about and all the questions you've asked me, there's one question you haven't asked me that's going to change everything. I said, well, what's that? And he said, you haven't asked me who else I know that you should talk to. And so I began asking that question every time now I made a, met a successful, wealthy person. And that got me in the door to meet people like Donald Trump and Oprah Winfrey and Ellen DeGeneres and Mark Cuban and Richard Branson. And I mean, the list just went on and on. All the big people who created brands, everything from FedEx to Nike to Reebok to Avita to Christian Dior, to you name it. I met these guys by really asking that question. Now, here's the neat thing that I learned is that your safety net is your network. It's not just your net worth. It's also your safety net. So, you know, when I, when I started to expand my network, I could have better answers and I could solve bigger problems. And what that allowed me to then do was number one, have the confidence that I could do things because there's a massive difference between a solopreneur and an entrepreneur. A solopreneur always has a ceiling because they're doing it by themselves. But an entrepreneur, the word entre actually means between or as a group. So among friends, right? And so as soon as I learned that I didn't have to do everything by myself, that I could get the help of those that I was, you know, interviewing and partnering with, all of a sudden my risk factor went way down because I could, I was no longer risking. I was evaluating with the help, a little help from my friends, like the Beatles thing. Right. right. And so all of my wealth and success really came because I just started associating with good people, with good information and then doing what they, they told me to do, right? Like following instructions. <laughs> so in a nutshell, that's it. And, and I still actually have a, a great association with many of those top achievers. And many of them come to the events that we hold now. So even my own students get to meet the same people that changed my life, which is very cool. That's awesome. And, you know, when asking that question, who else do you know? And that's how I started this, po this podcast is I wanted to talk to business owners. I, I coach small businesses in how to get unstuck, how to get a Kickstarter or restart. And I have a lot of information and I've, I've t done this for a lot of clients and I've had great success with my clients and they've introduced me to others, but I wanted to talk to more business owners that had success, but also find out where did they fail? What did they do differently? And rather than calling them up or taking them to lunch or doing the coffee thing, I said, well, why don't I do a podcast and interview them? And then we can share that with everyone. I get to learn and bring it to my clients. We can put it out there. They get, you know, to put to, to feel needed and wanted and loved by someone wanting to interview them. And, and that's how this started. So as you were going through this process and meeting successful people, right, you were getting information. Yes. Same as Napoleon Hill. He was getting information, but he never turned it into a business during the time he was interviewing folks. It was really after that, that he actually made his money. He was a journalist and he wrote articles, but he didn't make a lot of money during the 20 year period. When did you turn what you were learning into revenue stream, revenue streams of business? Yeah, that's a, that's a brilliant question. In fact, um, my original intention wasn't even to go after the money because I was still a student. I was just looking to learn from these guys and, and I didn't see the vision of it. But one of these mentors uh, that I was interviewing, he said to me, okay, so what are you going to do next? And I said, well, I don't know. And he goes, well, why don't you get started with a little investment here? And he showed me an investment that they were getting involved in. And I said, well, pff, I don't have that kind of money. And he goes, well, you haven't been listening. It's not, do you have the money or how much 
you know, you need to put together. It's how much can this make you? And then where can you go to find the money? So he literally gave me a piece of paper and on uh, one side of it, I listed all the places where I could go for money. And then on the other side of the page, I listed how I would reward the people that would help me. So I went and I assembled $1,500. That was the first one. And, uh, and basically I did it with the help and support of those that I knew and everything else. And I had a repayment plan for them and how I made it work. And so that investment, by the way, I still get paid on that one today. I still own it and it still pays me today, but it, it was a combination of how do I use other people? And so he was teaching me in real time how to use the principle of leverage. And so what's kind of neat is as soon as I started seeing that people would support my ideas, um, I began to now seek out, how could I bring one of my ideas and create a business? And it was really interesting. Like it, 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 as soon as I started seeing that, I recognized that my most valuable asset actually right now was these relationships with millionaires and billionaires with a B, right? And yeah. so kind of what I, I recognized with that relationship capital, like all transactions that you ever do, any exchange of money will always be in, in or, or rather involve a relationship, right? We don't create money in a vacuum. We create it with the help of someone else. And so kind of, you know, with that idea, which was really kind of funny is I had a business idea and I, the, one of my first things that I did is I contacted a guy who was a multimillionaire that I knew and I said, Hey, listen, you know, I've got this really cool business idea. Can I come by and talk to you? And he said, yeah, bring me your business plan. So I was like, business plan. I'd never heard of such a thing. And so, okay. So I went to the library and I looked a little bit on the internet. How do you build a business plan? And I built this big thick document and at that point in my life I thought that you know size equals quantity or quality <laughs> yes. if this thing is under three inches my business sucks if it's three inches and bigger my business is obviously a winner and that's how I kind of thought right but I'll never forget I took it to this guy and the first thing that he said to me he didn't even touch the document he goes what are your transactions that you're trying to achieve I was like, well, I don't know. So I started trying to fake it. And I said, okay, uh, here's my marketing plan. This is what I'm going to do. And he goes, no, no, transactions. Okay, well, I flipped again. This is the demographic we're going for. Like, I didn't understand what he's asking. So finally, he stopped me and he said, the transactions, how are people going to give you money? What is the exchange? What are you giving them? What's the money? And then he pointed out that until you know what the transaction is, your market plan doesn't matter. Your demographics don't matter. It, your distribution plan doesn't matter. You've got to know what the transactions are. And so that was a really big lesson for me to understand that unless you can keep your business simple and explain it in a sentence like that and really cut to the truth of the matter, like what is it you are offering and what is it they're paying for and then learn how to create um, a fair exchange of value. In fact, here's kind of a neat thing that we share with our students. So if I were to say this is a transaction, on one side we've got you know, a seller who has something to sell and a buyer who has something to sell. First of all, we have to identify that. And then as soon as we can identify that and we can recognize then what the steps are that need to be accomplished in between, that's now when we have the power to duplicate and systematize. But until we know what that transaction is, we don't really know anything about our business. And I think that's a big problem that a lot of entrepreneurs have nowadays is they're, you know, thinking I've got this great idea. And then they create something, they get to market, and nobody's interested. Well, it's because they don't have clarity around how that relationship works. And, you know, I know we've only got a little bit of time here, but the other thing, too, just in encouraging this idea of which one are you? Are you the buyer or are you the seller? And most entrepreneurs always say, well, I'm the seller. And that's why they have such a hard time selling. And they also think that they 
are, you know, there's, there's, there's me on one side and, 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 and the person that my customer on the other side, well, the truth of the matter is, is the more you guys can be on the same team and recognize that you need to really be listening to what they're willing to buy. And then you're going to have no problem selling it because it, it's not really about us. Our business is not about us. What is it? Warren Buffett says, what you love about you is your hobby. What others love about you is your business. So you're going right. to love about you or you're going to be out of business in a hurry. Right. That's so true. That's so true. We're talking with Doug Vermeeren on the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast brought to you by powertexting.com. As I mentioned, powertexting.com gives a free hotel stay, a four and five star resort, 17 cities across the world. You can go to Bali, you can go to Cancun, you can go to New York City, you can go to Vegas. Uh, if you go to podcasttrip.com and you can enter to win, one person is definitely going to go on that trip. So that's super cool. So along those lines, as we're and you can get, oh, I meant to say this earlier. What Doug's telling us here, he's got books, he's got stuff like this on his website at douglasvermeeren.com. If you can hold up the Douglas Vermeeren so people know how to spell it. Um, you can go to his website. He gives a ton of free information and resources and books through his site. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But definitely go there and get his brain in written form uh, to help in your business. Because we're just going to touch on the very little bit so far, but I want to get back to that, what you were talking about with the buyer and the seller. And one yeah. thing I talk about is the buyer's journey that yes. no matter what it is, the buyer goes on a journey. If it's a cup of coffee or if it's a car or if it's a coaching program or if it's a hammer, whatever it is you're selling, they go on a journey. First they decide, all right, I want one. And they think about the benefits and then somewhere in there, they think about the objections. It's expensive. It's too far. I've got to go get it. What am I going to do with it once I have it? It's not going to work for me, whatever it is. And then at some point, the benefits outweigh the objections. And then they go looking for a vendor to provide that. And if you only talk about your solution and you don't know where they are in that journey, you're lost and you just outlined it in your steps. You yeah. need to well, know what that journey is that you're buying. A really interesting thought for you also. We talked a little bit about influence at the beginning of this podcast, and the, the truth of the matter is, is the earlier you can get involved in that buyer's journey, the more influential you are. And so there's a few things that we need to consider. Obviously, you need to really understand what your customers are experiencing, what their needs are, their problems, their challenges. You need to understand the marketplace that they're shopping around in. Like nowadays, heck, you're buying a car and the guy across from you is, on, is checking everything on, on the phone to make sure that you're like in the, in the right ballpark, right? So we, people are researching what they're buying so carefully now that unless you're involved early in that whole game of understanding the customer, you will not be influential for it. So you must. It's, it's essential. Now, the other thing that's, that's actually kind of interesting too is if we understand how really the whole process of, of buying and selling is in the marketplace today. It's no longer that somebody is like, like I remember Zig Ziglar used to say, a person's a suspect, then they're a prospect, and then they become a customer and blah. No, 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 are you kidding? That's like, that's like 1980s guys. Like what happens now, and, and, and you know this, let's just use the example even of social media. You've got people that are a, connect, a contact even before they're a connection. How many friends do you know on your own Facebook? I'm maxed out right now at 5,000, but I'll tell you, I don't even know half those people, but they are a contact for me, right? In fact, it's really funny. I was at an event the other day and I met this guy and we clicked, we were really good buddies and we said, oh, we should add each other on Facebook. We got on our Facebook and we were already friends, 
right? So it's like, you know, we don't know our contacts like we should. But here's the other thing is even beyond that idea of now being uh, a contact, they become a connection when they start validating or engaging us in some capacity or, or liking a comment or sharing something we've done. But that's still not even enough because then they shift, like I say, to a prospect uh, or a suspect then a prospect. Then they become a customer, but that's not even enough because the marketplace is so large nowadays. Uh, the whole word customer, by the way, it's a Latin word that means someone who customarily buys from you. But that doesn't always happen nowadays. A person may buy from you once and then disappear. So what we're looking for actually is to create a client, someone that is a repeat, loyal, raving fan, someone that comes back, but not only comes back, but they bring friends with them when they do. So how do we create that loyalty in the marketplace? And that's really where, when we can really understand, you know, this whole idea that I'm sharing, a seller and a buyer that we've got here, how do we now increase how the effectiveness of the touch points that we have? How do we increase the engagement of a customer along the whole buying process? And when they really understand, like we call it, like I've got a course called Influence Selling, which is all about how the brain makes decisions and also how we decide what we become loyal to. Because that's really what sales is about nowadays. I mean, sure, you can make a quick buck. You've also heard the saying that nice guys finish uh, last. Well, the truth is, is bad guys in this day and age don't finish well at all. They may, you know, get through once, but they'll never get a repeat customer because if they screw somebody, they're done. So it's not that it's not, it's not that good guys finish first or last or nice guys finish last or first. It's that you and your customer must finish together. And if you guys don't do it together it's not going to reoccur, right? Agreed. And the velocity of reviews is as fast as anything else in the entire world, whether it's on Yelp or whether it's social media or whether it's just people hearing about others. Because people can leave a review on you whether they worked with you or not, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely they can. And sometimes even, build that trust. Come you. even your competitors will try and come at you. So here's the deal is I believe that number one, You've got to give your haters so much value that they change their mind. Okay. So that's number one. And also you've got to really exceed expectations. And, and here's something kind of interesting is I find like one of the things that I think is really important with today is this idea of collaboration. And if you're talking about growing influence, you got to understand that you'll, you're going to have to work with those that you compete against. But the difference is, is that you'll have to now look for ways that you can complete, not compete but you can complete what's missing for your customer and you can JV and work directly in collaboration with your competitors who again will help influence in the marketplace. And by the way, just this idea of influence, we're talking about it. I know you're running close to the clock here, but influence today is not how many likes, shares, uh, you know, engagements you get on a post liked or, or, or influence is being liked, but it's now not, not those comments It's being favored. So how can you become the favored guy in your marketplace and not to everybody, right? right. You've got to find that select group that you can be influential with. Uh, I know Bill Cosby's kind of fallen out of favor because of what happened to him, but there's a quote that's been attributed to him that I think is absolutely true. He says, I don't know the formula for success, but the formula for failure is to try and please everyone. So you must understand your niche. You must please them. You must become influential with them. And then they are going to be really the squad that, that helps you to or organically grow. But also, even when you are paying for growth, whether it's Facebook ads or something else, they're going to also be your champions when your haters show up. Because nowadays, I don't care what you're selling, there are going to be haters that show up if you have anything worth talking about.
right? Yep. So let me ask you something along the lines of, of personal development. That's obviously the space yeah. that you're in and, and, and you have events and you bring people together. Mm -hmm. And for a while, personal development was super important to the successful, but a punchline in the marketplace. What have you learned along the way and doing the events that there are some people who just will not do it, or at least will not do it in public. Why, why is that? What have you learned about why people will say, I, I'm not gonna go pay to go to an event. I'm not spending $497 or $1,000 or $2,000 to go to an event. I'm not gonna yeah. learn anything. It's just making other people rich. Now, those of us who have been, we know that there's more than enough value in that in any personal development room. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I even agree with that. I think there's certain rooms that are more valuable, and that's also where the problem lay. Okay, so here's the deal. The but there's problem, always a nugget. So, but yeah. what have you learned? Well, well, there's there's two two real things here. The day of motivation is dead. Okay, here's the deal. People will do what they're gonna do, and they recognize that, and they don't necessarily need a session and get them rah rah up. Right? People want results now. They, you know, I mean, the mindset stuff that they go out and they learn, that's great. But unless it's attached to actual bottom line results, they're not interested. I was recently speaking at an event in London, UK. And uh, one of the um, people that was at the event actually was one of the top speaking bureaus that was there. And she told me to my face, she goes, if, if there's a speaker that shares motivational stuff, we just can't book them. They're not interested. The economy is just not interested in, in feel good type approaches. You must deliver results. So I think that that's one of the big reasons why people are, have been avoiding personal development. There's a lot of people that just think that if they tell their personal story or even the signature speech, it's dead. Like signature speech, if you've got a, if you've got a speaker coach out there that is teaching people signature speeches, well, dude, it's 1990 talk that you're teaching and we're here in 2019. So you're like 30 years behind the times. Signature speeches don't work. People want authenticity, connection, and results. That's all they want. They don't want to hear your story. The other thing that's, uh, I think, a big problem why people aren't willing to pay is the market is oversaturated right now with people who are pretend experts. Now, I'm going to get on a rant. We'll probably get some hate mail about this, but I'm <laughs> calling it like it is. You'll go to a networking event and five guys will stand up around the table and say, I'm a life coach, business coach, uh, real estate coach, personal development coach, blah, blah, blah. But they haven't done crap nothing in their life. They haven't ever achieved seven or eight figures in their life. So what are they doing coaching people, right? They haven't already figured it out. And I think that this is it, is the, the majority of the population is calling BS. They're pointing out the frauds. They're saying, yeah, this life coach thing or this business coach thing, forget it because you haven't done it. And I think that that's why people are not prepared to put themselves out there to go in and, and show up at an event because there's too many you know, players out there that just have no value. And so I think this is a really important thing. And if your listeners are listening in, in the background here, um, you know, there's, there's a really big thing that I've noticed. Again, having interviewed 400 of the world's top achievers, I regularly share the stage with everybody from shows like The Secret and some of the top speakers in the world. I just did an event in Arizona with Grant Cardone. Um, you know, the top guys, the guys who are really good actually get people results. That's the difference. And when you get somebody that can get results, like I've got people, like I've got a one-on-one -on -one coaching program. You're going to laugh at this, but I've got a three-year waiting list and it's 250,000 per year to be coached by me personally. We do things like the Maui mastermind where I bring some of my top achievers. It's 25 K to show up. It always sells out. 
Well, why can I command those kind of dollars where other people can't even fill a room for 197 bucks? Well, it's because I get results. And that's where really the rubber hits the road. If you can't get results and you're just there to make people feel good, um, you're going to always struggle in this business. And by the way, the stats right now are that one in every 450 speakers actually can make a full-time living at this. So I think it's very important that we look at that stat in a different way. If you're looking for a coach or a mentor, you want the one guy who actually can make the success, not the guy who's talking about it. You want the guy who's going to get you the results. And I, I'm really actually, um, maybe we even ought to get some of my students on here, but I'm very excited that I've got students who have gone from zero to six, now seven, and I've even got some eight-figure students. And for those of you who don't know what eight figures is, or eight figures starts at $10 million per year. So, you know, you got to find the right people. If you're serious about being an entrepreneur, if you're serious about your business, don't mess around with the kind of support that you're going to get. You want the best. You want people who are going to open up these possibilities for you. Why would you pay for someone who can only take you halfway? doesn't make any sense to me. I agree 100%. And I like that little rant that you just went on there because it's super important because <clears throat> you have to know who the pretenders are. Someone asked me recently, how can you... What should people look for in a coach? Like I, I was on stage and somebody asked me that. And I said, well, prove it. Yeah. Right? I, if nothing else, so one of the things that I do in one of my books is I find people $10,000 in new revenue in 45 minutes that they can go out and get right now. Cool. And, I'll show, and I'll show them where it is, how they get it, what to do, step by step. And then no matter what I charge, I become free right? Because I've already showed them how to do it. And if they don't believe it, then they don't have to hire me, but they've already seen it. So many people say, buy my program and you'll get this rather than, Hey, here's this. I just gave it to you. Let's take it to the next level. So I think it's really important for everybody, no matter what your line of work, whether you're a coach or whether you're a speaker or whether you're a doctor or lawyer, I mean, as a doctor, you can't, you know, do surgery on someone's knee, and <laughs> but there are ways that you can prove that you are good at what you do. So yeah. that's how you can stay relevant. That's how you can get people and that's how you can be a person of influence. So Doug, I want one last thing before we wrap up because we could do this for hours, but everybody needs to start somewhere from where they are today, right? Whatever, whether you've made $10 million or we've never made a dollar, you're still at a new starting point. So no matter what your starting point, what are some commonalities that you see for people who need a kickstart, or maybe they need a restart. What are yeah. some things that they can do as soon as they get off here, other than going to douglasvermeeran.com and getting some of your resources, what should they do now so they can take action and get that restart, get that kickstart that they need? Well, I can tell you one thing that for sure they shouldn't do, and, um, and then maybe we'll try and give some others. But one of the biggest mistakes that I see that a lot of entrepreneurs make is that they try this idea of fake it till you make it, and I'm gonna suggest that that is a big lie. And it's a big lie for a few things. Number one, you're now gonna be spending effort, capital, resources, your intelligence, everything, trying to put on a fake facade of someone who you're not. And it always gets found out, and authenticity is key in the marketplace. If people feel like you're not honest, uh, what does the saying go? How you do one thing is how you do everything. And yep. I'm also gonna share this idea of when you fake it till you make it, if you need help, like from someone like me or some of the top achievers that I've learned from, they immediately know who is a fraud and a fake because they're already there. So if you're faking it, they spot it a mile away and then they will not help you. So it is a much better approach 
to really be upfront and say, these are the tools that I have. I'm looking to expand and I'm looking to get better. Will you help me? And you'll find that immediately top achievers, they, they love that humility and they will help you. Now, I want to share one other thing from my personal experience. Um, I had uh, a mentor at one point who, again, I brought a business plan to and I said, can you, can you invest in my company? And uh, he said, let's take a look at this business plan. So he flipped it open, started looking. He goes, oh, you might want to change this. And I said, no, 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 no. There's a reason for this. This is why I'm doing this. And I tried to defend it, right? Right. <laughs> rolled his eyes and he thought, okay, young kid. All right, well, we'll just let this go. I'll keep looking at this. Kept looking two minutes later, I had something else. He said, you might want to change that. Again, I defended it. And I said, no, 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 no. There's a reason for that. Blah, blah, blah. Well, again, he rolled his eyes and just kind of kept going. Found another thing. And before I could open my mouth, he goes, wait, you can be rich or you can be right. And if you keep telling me what, you know, you think is important here and you're not listening, let's take a look. He said, you go grab your bank statement, I'll grab mine, and they're both a report card of how well we understand this. Well, my report card at the time had about $600 in it. His report card <laughs> at the time was over $800 million. And so who understands? And then he began to explain that your biggest enemy to your business growth or your personal growth or whatever it is, is your ego. You must expand who you are before you can expand what you have, which means you must be teachable. And he explained that the ego was the biggest enemy of any business success. You see, even if you look at, let's just take Michael Jackson for a minute, his record album. If he was the one who says, no, 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 I'm the one in charge of blah, 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 blah. And he didn't take the advice of the people who are playing the instruments or take the advice of the producer who's in charge of this or the person who's in charge of doing the photograph on the cover or all these things, it would be a disaster because you could not do it all. But if he lets everyone do their expertise in their own area of brilliance, his name still goes on the cover and everybody gives him all the money. So you're better to trust in the expertise of others around you. It's like what Steve Jobs says. He says, we don't hire smart people and tell them what to do. We hire smart people and let them tell us what to do. We need to be open to that. We need to understand that, you know, this idea of a solopreneur has limitations. And until we're ready to let go of our ego and we're really willing to listen and learn from people who've got a bigger track record than us, that's where we're going to be successful. Now, one thing I do want to share that you were just talking about that I think is useful, um, you know, we're talking a little bit about coaching and mentoring. Head over to YouTube, type my name into YouTube there, Douglas Vermeeren, and you'll see I've got probably five or six dozen coaching sessions where I'm helping people who are already now at seven and eight figures and it's all free. So come, come and learn. And I'll show you some really cool things that you can do immediately in these coaching sessions. Some of these people are brand new startups. Some of these people have been around with businesses for a long time. Some of them are in the entertainment business. Some of them are athletes. Some of them are speakers. Some of them are everyday entrepreneurs. Some of them are um, brick and mortar. Some of them are online. You'll see what we do and it's all free. So come learn. And if you like my vibe, you'll become my tribe. It's that easy. That's awesome. I, I love that how much you give away, how much value you put out there and let the people come to you. Uh, we've been with Doug Vermeer in here on the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. Doug, thanks for the time today. Thanks for the knowledge. Thanks for the wisdom. Thanks for how to help people right now, which is what this show is all about. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. I look forward to doing it again. We had a good time, didn't we? Yeah, it was definitely fun. We've got a lot more to share and we're gonna, we can take this in a bunch of different directions. So I'm looking forward to more episodes 
and, and spending more time with you. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the show. Really appreciate uh, your dedication and your wisdom. Thanks. You've been listening to The Entrepreneur's MBA. Download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business, at www.freebookfromadam.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>